2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 13 here in just a second. My task today is to give a charge to the group of people who will make up the new First Baptist situate. Pastor Stephen's task is to give a charge to the members of South Shore Baptist Church. And together, Stephen and I are going to use 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 13 through chapter 3, verse 5, as our roadmap this morning. I'm going to read chapter 2, verse 13 to the end of the chapter. And as I read, I want you to listen for three things that Paul says to the church at Thessalonica. I want you to listen for Paul to give thanks for their salvation. I want you to listen for Paul's charge to faithfulness to the church in Thessalonica. And then third, I want you to hear Paul's prayer for them. So that's what you're listening to as we read this morning. Follow along with me as I read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 13. Paul writes this, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. I have a word for First Baptist Situate. First of all, brothers and sisters, we are grateful for you and for your faith in Jesus Christ. The way Paul thanks God for the brothers and sisters in Thessalonica is the way we thank God for you. Look at what Paul said in verses 13 and 14. He said, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved. He's thanking God for a specific aspect of them. He chose you to be saved and through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. And he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how we think of you. We are grateful for your faith in Jesus. We're grateful for the call God put on your life to walk with him and to serve him and to share in the glory of Jesus. Because being those kinds of people positions you to hear the call of the Lord to do this great and beautiful work. You're not going to restart this church because you're bored. You're doing it because of your experience of the gospel in Jesus Christ. And we're so grateful for that. New churches can be birthed for two general reasons. One of those is conflict and the other is a call. Conflict isn't always a bad reason for churches to start. There's examples in the New Testament of missionary work at diversifying because of conflict among workers. South Shore Baptist Church exists because of 
a conflict that arose over 70 years ago, a doctrinal and missional conflict. So conflict isn't always a bad reason. I'm not sure it's always an ideal reason, though. And I'm grateful that the origin of First Baptist Situate is not conflict-related, but call-related. You walk with Jesus. You listen to the Spirit. God has spoken on your lives and called you to this work. You have said yes, and we say, thank you, Father, for these, our brothers and sisters. We are grateful for Christ in you and your obedience to Him. But we have a charge for you. We have a challenge to you, the same as Paul's to the church in Thessalonica from verse 15. Look at what Paul says. Verse 15, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. He tells them, stand firm and hold. Your translation of the Bible might say, hold fast. Stand firm, hold fast. These are two phrases describing the same activity. What does it mean to stand firm? Well, uh, standing firm describes anchoring yourself. You are setting deep pillars into the soil for your foundation. And then when the storms come, you will not crumble because you stand firm. And what does hold fast look like? It describes a white-knuckle clenching, a vice-like grip, a refusal to let go. And so how does one stand firm and hold fast? Paul says you do it by clinging to the Word of God. He told them whatever you've heard from us or read from us, stand firm, hold fast to those things, hold fast to the Gospel. And so you will be a church that stands firm and holds fast in as much as you proclaim the gospel and believe the gospel and live the gospel. We don't have to look far to see what happens to churches that let go of the gospel. Boston's South Shore is littered with once vibrant churches who turned from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the voices of culture roared against the gospel, these churches became noodle-legged and weak-gripped. They abandoned the gospel for cultural favor, and as a result, they have been abandoned by God. And so First Baptist Situate, you have to understand this. You are not going there to play church. You are entering into warfare. You are going behind enemy lines. You are invading hostile territory and Satan will not give up his plunder without a fight. You will face trials of many kinds. Satan may try to sow discord among you. He may raise up local voices against you. He may bring personal attacks against you and your family. He will do whatever he can to make you forget that souls hang in the balance. On the day that that trial comes, and every day up to that point between now and then, I charge you, stand firm and hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, that good news of Christ's death and resurrection and the promise of eternal life to those who believe, it is the end of Satan in his schemes. That gospel gives eternal life to those who were once spiritually dead. It sets captives free from sin. It turns God's enemies into God's heirs. And it will not happen. This new life will not come unless the gospel is preached from your pulpit and lived from your pews. Don't you ever 
let go of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand firm and hold fast to what Jesus gave his apostles and what his apostles gave the church and what your pastors and elders and so many faithful teaching men and teaching women have given to you. First Baptist Situate, we, your brothers and sisters, charge you, stand firm and hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will pray for you. Paul prays for the church in Thessalonica in verses 16 and 17. He voices this blessing over them. Uh, Look at it with me, verse 16. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. He appeals to Jesus Christ himself. He, uh, He appeals to God the Father. May Jesus Christ and God the Father, may they encourage and strengthen you in every good deed and word. So every good deed and word is the environment in which supernatural encouragement and strength come to your hearts. We want you to work hard. We want you to work feverishly with an with a gospel urgency, knowing that every person in the community around you has to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in those good deeds and those good words, we pray that you would find the encouragement and strength of Jesus Christ himself in all that you endeavor to do. We will pray for you, and we will do that even right now. And so, South Shore Baptist Church, I want you to join with me The words to our prayer are here on the screen, and together I want all of us to lift this prayer to the Father on behalf of these brothers and sisters of ours. Would you pray with me, please? May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. On behalf of all of us who are undertaking in this work together with First Baptist Situate, not just some over here, but there's some of us spread throughout the sanctuary, um, I want to say thank you for your sending of us and plea for your prayers for us. Read with me from chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 in 2 Thessalonians. Paul says, after praying for the church at Thessalonica, he asked the church at Thessalonica to pray for him. And he says, finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Now we have to get positioned here where previously 
Paul was giving a charge to the church at Thessalonica, we're kind of switching seats now, and we are in the position of Paul and his co-laborers asking you, the church, to pray for us as we go. His love for the church at Thessalonica is evident as Paul prays for them and urges them forward in faithfulness in Christ. And now we who are being sent out, we implore you to pray for us today, tomorrow, and in the many days that are ahead. So what do we ask you to pray? Look at verse 1. We ask you to pray with us. As Paul says, finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may be may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. This word of the Lord, this message of the Lord is simply the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so pray that it would go forward rapidly, that it would be received with honor. What does it mean to be received with honor? I believe what it means is that it would be received with understanding by those who hear of the, the, the truthfulness of this message, of the gravity of this message, the, the heaviness of these claims of Christ and what they mean for all of us and all who hear. And so pray with us that the word of the Lord, the message of the Lord would go forward rapidly and that the Lord would bring about this inescapable collision of hearts and minds with Christ and His word and in doing so draw people to Himself through the witness of the church. You know, it's been said already, if you're perhaps new with us today or don't consider yourself a Christian or wanting to learn more about the claims of Christ and of His church, you've joined with us on a unique, unique day. And we want you to know that the root, the common unity that all of us who are going and all of the church as a whole, the common unity that we share is in Jesus Himself. It's not in geographic location. It's not in our social class. It's not in our politics. It's not in our economic class. Not in anything, but in a common unity in Christ in that this verse 1, this message of the Lord has come to us and changed us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. You see, this good news or this gospel is that Jesus came to us, came to sinful, rebellious humanity, and He lived a perfectly righteous life. He died on the cross in our place for our sins, and we all trust not in ourselves in order to make ourselves right with God, but we trust in the totality of Jesus' work to redeem us and bring us into restored relationship with God. This is the message of Christianity. And we pray and we yearn that even if you're hearing this today, that you would look in faith upon Christ. Would you repent of your sin and believe in Him today? Just as Jesus is worth us who are going, stepping out of our comfort zone and going to a new work, He is worthy of the full adoration. Of your heart. Let's read on. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And then verse 2, and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone 
has faith. Now, Paul and his partners in the gospel were facing threats from men who opposed them and their message of the gospel. We who are going do not face direct opposition from men who actively oppose the gospel and our ministries. In our ministry, we could in the future. None of us knows what the future holds. But there is an awareness that we have and a request that we make of you that we, as we go forward that you would pray that we would not be hindered by obstructions to the gospel that could arise. Some possible obstructions that we might face would be two things. Not believing the gospel in our evangelism and in our discipleship and not applying the gospel to our life as a church family. Not believing the gospel in our evangelism and discipleship and not applying the gospel to our life as a church family. So pray, first of all, with us that, that we would truly believe the gospel in our evangelism, and in our discipleship. Pray that myself and all who will fill the pulpit at First Baptist Situate would faithfully, earnestly preach God's Word. Pray that we would trust the Lord to build His church through His Word and His Word alone. Pray that we would not water down the message of the Gospel in order to make it more palatable and, and less offensive to those who hear. But pray that the, the, the beauty of the Gospel as it goes forward rapidly, would, would, would unsettle those who hear, but also be a, a living water that comes to them amidst the thirst of this life that they cannot satisfy apart from Christ. Pray that in the days, the weeks, the months, the years ahead, we would see the miracle of God giving new birth to those who don't know Him. We can't force this. We can't bring this about by our will, by our efforts, by our planning, by our scheming, by our dreaming, by anything else. God must do it. So pray with us. To trust in our own abilities, our own intuitions, our own plans would be as foolish as to think that we can go across the street to the cemetery and preach and cause the dead to rise on our own. God must act. And pray that we would see the miracle of Him conforming all of us more and more into the likeness of Christ as we grow together as a body. Pray that our confidence as a church would be in Christ who shed His blood for His church and who is actively interceding for His church even now. Secondly, pray that we would apply the Gospel to our own church life. To this point, we've had a number of fellowships together, we've worshipped together, we've had potlucks together, we've prayed together, and yet we know that as as, as folks from South Shore Baptist come in, and as folks from First Baptist Situate adjust to a new normal, we know that as two become one, that the enemy would like nothing more than to divide the church family and therefore seek to show us and the community around us that the gospel is not powerful enough to overcome any personal differences, backgrounds, or preferences. We ask that you would even pray that our unity together would not be in a common cause of simply keeping a church open, but would be in an even deeper shared fellowship as brothers and sisters who have been brought from death to life through Christ and that in, in awareness of that gospel truth, in, in that awareness, humility would abound through us in our interactions with one another, in our, in our seeking to understand one another, in our trusting one another, in our giving one another the benefit of the doubt, in our deferring to one another. You see, brothers and sisters, humility abounds in the church where Jesus is treasured by those who are aware that they were invited to the feast of His grace due to no merit in themselves. And humility abounds in the church where the Word of God is trusted and submitted under by all 
who recognize as recipients of the grace of Christ that they belong to Christ and they are secure in Him and nothing can take them out of His grasp. Look at Paul's words here. Dive back into this text with me. So he says in verse 2, Pray with me, or pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. Then he says in verse 3, But the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. After laying out the danger of those, these wicked and evil men who would oppose the Gospel, Paul's heart is steady in saying, but the Lord is faithful. And brothers and sisters, speaking on behalf of all of your brothers and sisters who will be going out, we want you to know as, our, as we go, our confidence and our hope for ourselves and for you, our South Shore Baptist Church family, is not in ourselves or in you, but in the Lord who is Faithful. Last week, as some of us who are going out from here gathered to pray, we gathered there in room 21 during the Sunday school hour, and we took out a marker, and we just started listing out all of the things that we are grateful to God for, from our time at South Shore Baptist, from, from how the Lord has used this church family to care for us. We listed things like beautiful, long-lasting, Christ-centered friendships. Years and years and years of God's faithfulness that we could reflect upon. Some of us who were born into this church decades ago, and some of us who were born again in this church. So many of you, our brothers and sisters who are sending us out, have been deep spiritual influences for us, have even been heroes of the faith that we have admired as we seek to follow Christ as well. Some of us have been married here. Some of us have been baptized here. A mother and son who are going with us were the first two people baptized in this very building. We have family members who are leaving, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, parents and grandparents. Some will go, some will stay. And yet we will all feel it as we depart. Some specific things that we wrote on that whiteboard that the Lord has taught us in our time at South Shore Baptist Church are the following. We have seen the Lord's gracious and faithful, wise care for His servants. He is so, so good to His servants. Even in the tears and in the agonies. He is good. We have seen the power of God's Word. One sister shared how she got here and she was a a believer, and she knew the Bible, she knew general stories about it, but she didn't quite know how it all came together. But God, in His grace, made His Word just come to life through the ministry of this church family as a gift to her soul. The Lord has showed us the true power of the Gospel to bring the spiritually dead to new life as ones who were once enemies but are now children and heirs of God. The Lord has shown us the power of prayer as we have been through incredible highs and devastating lows. And as all of us have cast our burdens upon Him, He has proved faithful every single time. The Lord has shown us the beauty of the church body as we have served one another, as You have served us, pointing us to Christ. We've walked through life and, 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 and fellowship together and 
and in seeking to follow Christ in discipleship together, whether that be in hospital rooms and conversations in the parking lot, over meals at kitchen tables, or in countless other venues, men's retreats, women's retreats, youth group mission trips, a number of things. And in all of these, God has through His church shown His faithfulness in caring for His people. And the beauty of it all And the wonder of the local church is that the Lord shows us Himself through our brothers and sisters. For we, you, are the body of Christ Himself. The Lord has set it up. So that His people would be cared for and would be ministered to in the name of Christ through their church family. So on behalf of all of my brothers and sisters, like I said, some of whom have been part of this church for decades and decades. Some of whom first heard the Gospel for the very first time here. Thank you. Thank you for your ministry in us. And we ask that as we go, we ask that you pray for us. We ask that you take the words of verses 16 and 17 and also verses, verse 1, that the message of the Lord would spread rapidly and be honored. And verse 5, join us in praying that the Lord would direct our hearts into God's love and into Christ's perseverance. And as we go, we want you to know that we will hold you in our hearts and we will pray these exact same things for you. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord God, you are our faithful God. You are our gracious God. And we go and we are sent because of Your graciousness, Your kindness, Your provision. And so Lord, help all of us, whether we are going or whether we are sending, to engage actively in trusting in You together as Your people and in setting our eyes upon Your faithfulness and Christ's steadfastness. It is in His name we pray. Amen.